Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to Season 5 of Comic Book Nation. The only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of ComicBook.com. I am your host, Dark Flash himself, but my friends call me Kofi Outlaw. And as you can see, I'm holding it down here in the comic book studio, but the rest of my crew is taking a nice remote day. So calling in from various locations, I said comic book nation crew assemble and out of the woodwork comes my co-host, Mr. Matthew Aguilar. Brown Flash. Oh my God. <laughs> Our other co-host, Janelle Wheeler. Hello, Mr. J. I'll be Harley. I'm cool with that. Oh boy. And <laughs> joining us once again, Mr. Connor Casey is with us. And I'll be Michael Shannon as Zod. Wow. Well done. Well done. Wow. So if you can tell the beef is on. We've been arguing about the flash here for about two weeks, but now you guys get to get in on the conversation because it is flash day. The movie is here after so many I mean, no joke. I've been doing I've been doing this career for about 16 years and I've been talking about the Flash for like quote close to about 14 of those years. I've been talking about a Flash movie, so here we are. Wow. And now you guys get to get in on the discussion today. So, let's go down what we're going to be doing on today's show because as I tweeted out, it is thick with 3 Cs. We have so much to talk about and now that I I say at the beginning we like to give you guys a rundown right up at the front so you know what we're getting into, because as the only show that does it all for geek culture, we cover quite a bit. First up, show notes, community notes. If you guys have not subscribed to Comic Book Nation on your favorite podcast platforms or on our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash comic book nation, comic book, all one word, then nation, do so because we are dropping all kinds of bonus content these days because it's a thick summer with a lot of movie content and a lot of show content, and we have a lot to talk about. So, Already this week, we dropped our full spoilers review of The Flash. We get into it. I mean, really into it. We get into everything that happens in this movie, what it means for the DCU future, and, of course, the whole Ezra Miller of it all. So be sure you check out that bonus episode. We launched it just when screening started yesterday. So it is already out there on podcast platforms and on YouTube. You can also find it on the comicbook.com page. So make sure you check out our Flash full spoilers bonus episode. 
But of course, for our main show today, we're not going to get into full spoilers, but we will be reviewing The Flash. But first, we're going to go run down some news that hit this week that we got to talk about. I got a first look at Marvel's Secret Invasion, and I want to share what I thought with you guys. Then we will review The Flash. And after that, we're going to take it to the TV screen. We have to talk about the return of Star Trek, Strange New Worlds. And we're going to get some help from a Star Trek expert with that. Plus, there's a whole bunch of other stuff coming out this weekend if you don't want to go out and see The Flash. And we're going to talk about Extraction 2 and Black Mirror Season 6, both hitting Netflix. And, of course, this wouldn't be Comic Book Nation without something from the poll list of comics. So this, Matt, will be taking us through this week's comic books as well. So stay tuned for all of that. But uh, let's hop back up at the top and discuss what happened in the news with a Z. Janelle, take it away. We had uh, yeah. this has been a pretty pretty big week. Uh, if you thought you had your movie budgets for the next few years figured out, think again. Psych. Yeah, as Kofi, I mean Kofi knows better than anyone. I feel like you've been covering these delays and things for so long. I always turn to you whenever I know that like things are getting weird in Hollywood and with any type of delays at all. So um, of course, Kofi wrote this amazing article about how there are going to be a lot of Marvel delays. Now, we all expected this, obviously, because of things like the writer strike. But something very curious that I've come to understand is there are other reasons why things are slowing down a little bit. And um, one of those reasons is Bob Iger slowing things down. He is kind of changing the tempo a little bit. There's not going to be as, as many like three movie releases per year uh, starting 2024. And I think the big takeaway is we have some new dates. Uh, do you want me to roll through them? I mean, yeah, I mean, we can because people listening can, I mean, they can go on comicbook.com and look to yeah. and look at well, it. Well, how about we just kind of hit here the ASMR, Dan, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let's the, hit the big ones. The big ones Sorry, like I Deadpool. Was... So Deadpool moved up from November 8th, 2024 to May 3rd, 2024. So that's that a, actually, yeah. Yeah, that's a huge shift. Um, of course, Captain America Brave New World has moved from May 3rd, 2024 to August 26, 2024. Uh, I'm really excited about Blade, personally. I, I love vampires in general. So that has moved all the way to February 14th, 2025. And then things like Fantastic Four and Avengers, the Kang Dynasty. These are, I know these are like way down the slate. This is 2025 we're talking about, but it is getting extended. Things are getting pushed back. Um, like Avengers King Dynasty is not even in 2025 anymore. They're moving it to 2026. So that's that's some that's a lot of stuff. Also, Avengers Secret Wars is going from 2026 May to an entire year later, May 2027. Ooh, so yeah, that, uh... things like Avatar are being pushed back as well. Uh, and it's it, it's just, you know, <laughs> if this this is obviously expected. I feel like if if you are kind of these people that get really excited and we wait you know, with bated breath for these releases. And we're always checking in and trying to figure out when they're going to happen. We expected this. We've seen writers strikes kind of push stuff back in the past. So, uh, you know, we all just kind of have to, we're in it to win it together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is pretty wild, but uh, if you ever watch our, our redhead cousin show phase zero, our Marvel focused podcast, a comic book, uh, they've, they've actually broken this down over a couple weeks and saying like, it may be, a blessing in disguise before this was announced to slow everything down because the pacing and the quality or lack thereof of some of the projects has made it suggest that like Marvel could take some time to stretch it out. 
And when you thought about it, how fast we were about to get into both Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, and Secret Wars and getting and like barreling through this multiverse saga compared to how long it took us to get through the Infinity Saga. Like, yeah, yeah we can slow these down. We don't have to like rush all this. And so I'm just particularly happy that those two Avengers films are getting both pushed back a year. I think that's very good. Um, I think that there's enough that I think they want Deadpool up to hold the franchise against the writer's strike because they have enough done there that they can get through that and have that out there. And so I think Deadpool's going to have to hold us down for a while. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, and I expect there will be further delays. And as people in the comments, our savvy commenters have already pointed out, I, I mean, while it looks like Bob Iger spreading out, you know, production costs over years to better help Disney kind of get back in the black after the pandemic and all the losses. There's also room arguably. And I think I said this in the article that if they want to, they're opening up room to maybe slate something new. We haven't heard yet to come yeah. out or, or to do that. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's thank a you. good it's article. Amazing I what I can do it. when my back's up against the wall and Jim yeah, and Joe are like, get this done. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you for the positive reaffirmation there. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, anybody else have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think it's a uh, it's the the moves are emblematic of what Chapek wanted to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and you look at how much content we were given in such a short amount of time, and Iger taking over and suddenly halt, putting the brakes on everything. I think it just shows what. It was two different leadership directions, and we're going to be we're going to get to see the benefits of Iger taking a more patient route with it. Um, but like you said, I think there's there's room for other projects to get slotted in in some of these gaps. Like we know they're working on Spider-Man Four. I know that that's the co-production with Sony, but that's that's somewhere in there. We're getting that before we get Kang. And I also think that bumping it out a year we might be able to address the Jonathan Major situation because that's still a big question. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think the precursor to that will be this weekend in the whole Ezra Miller situation. What does Hollywood <laughs> do with problematic stars? All right. But uh, all right, Matt, you go off. There's something on here that I I'm did excited. not cut because you, your excitement was bleeding through our rundown. And normally I might've slashed this, but <laughs> we, we love when you get excited, buddy. So go ahead, take it away. Uh, I am excited because Indy uh, Stevenson's Nimona is actually happening after it got canceled uh, by Disney earlier. And now it's going to be a Netflix thing and we hadn't seen it for a minute. We'd seen like some images and now we saw a trailer. The trailer looks dope. The trailer's, trailer's great. It's, it's elicited a lot of discussion because obviously the, the, the animated style that they went for here is different uh, from the like original webcomic. And then I actually read it as a graphic novel after the fact. Um, but it's it's different, but it still like captures the like it captures the essence of of the characters and the world. I I, I adore it. They've they've made some story changes and character changes too. But again, there was a it was a really good interview actually recently, um, you know, with the creator and and he was really talking about how Namona the character like that was the most important thing. They could change a bunch of stuff around it. But Namona had to be the same, and they've they've captured that, and it looks funny. It looks it's it's actually. I mean, if you've read the original story, it deals with some very like dark and personal themes as well amidst all the kind of shape shifting action. And I think this is going to be really really cool. I think this is going to be a sleeper uh, where people aren't expecting to 
maybe aren't even, you know, haven't even heard about it just because of all the delays. Uh, but I think if you give it a chance, especially if you give the original story a chance, but if you give this a chance, I'm, I'm hoping it delivers because it, it looks like they're on the right path. So I'm just happy to see it like happen <laughs> just after being canceled and stuff. It's it's awesome that it's that it's happening and, and it actually looks like it captures what's so fun about the original and what's so what's so compelling about the original story. So I'm excited. Sure. It comes out pretty soon, too. It's the uh, end of this month. I think it's like I'm excited with you, Matt. This looks so charming. I'm kind of in love with her, like just from the trailer. And that's all I know of it. I just watched the trailer. That's it. And I was like sold. Yeah, it's a, it's very yeah, much I, like I didn't the know. scene here. It's it's her like becoming a kind of becoming a sidekick to a villain. Right. He's like known as a villain, but like there's a lot more to that. And maybe that label isn't accurate. And she becomes a sidekick kind of whether he wants to or not. And so it's just this whole kind of story but then there's a bunch of intrigue and political stuff it's it's really fun so yeah all right yeah well, june 30th like there just... you go i was right Woo-hoo. wait me yeah it sounds like you just snuck in both a show and a comic recommendation so we've we've pumped your agenda all right that is matt's agenda netflix's nimona uh, my new story for the day that i'll be taking on and did we connor did we give you anything this week could we slate something for you nope you want to take this one yeah you want to take this one or are you you want to take a Rick and Morty? Oh, yes. Um, they've basically confirmed that uh, even though the even though the situation with Justin Roiland continues to kind of unfurl, Rick and Morty is still moving forward with new voice actors for the titular characters, uh, and season seven will be redubbed. So some of this was already recorded by Roiland. It'll be instead taken over by new actors. Uh, we still don't know who those are. Uh, the creators did indicate this will kind of be like how with with Bugs Bunny, where different people have different takes on it when they get their hands on it. So he he, he compared it to like everybody who's done it since doesn't sound like Mel Blank, but you can see where some of the similarities are. And I think that's the right take with this. I still want the pitch of I want the first episode of the season to be a silent episode where they just hold off on the big voice reveal until episode two, because that's the kind of trolling this show absolutely loves. And I'm all for that. Uh, the other things that people still like about Rick and Morty, I think are going to be present. Uh, they're, they're still seemingly at war internally with the whole, do we want this to be you know fully narrative based or is it standalone episodes? The show itself always comments on that. Uh, personally, I kind of wish they would just pick one side or the other. I like the narrative stuff. Clearly, people within the creative process don't. So, yeah, we, we still got to deal with that going forward. Wow. Oof, this is going to be interesting when this hits, right? Like, I want to see how we make the jump. That I, I actually think that they should listen to this, hopefully, award-winning podcast show and steal your idea <laughs> and do that silent episode because it would be great if, like, it just starts out with something like Rick about to say something, and then, like, something happens, it gets blasted, some ray gets hit, and nobody can speak for the whole episode. Yeah, that would drive fans nuts in the best mm-hmm. way. And, you know, that's what we like. We like Rick and Morty spitting our mouths a little bit. So I'd be down for that. All right. Now, moving on to me and what I did this week. So I got Disney deemed me worthy of watching the first two episodes of Secret Invasion. Same night that a lot of fancier people got to go to the premiere. I got to check it out at home in the loneliness of my cry spot. But <laughs> while I was watching there, I came up with some thoughts and I was like, hey, we should uh, we should like pretty much share these thoughts with our fans. So 
Let's talk about Marvel's Secret Invasion. If you don't know the premise, it's based on the Marvel Comics storyline from the 2000 Secret Invasion in which the heroes of the Marvel Universe and other kind of espionage and public figures discover that there has been a scroll plot to invade Earth from the inside out by kind of sneaking in and replacing key people from the superhero community to world leaders with scroll operatives. And it creates this kind of whole like situation like John Carpenter's The Thing where nobody can trust anybody. Nobody knows who anybody is. And, and it created this whole crazy kind of implosion of the Marvel superhero universe. Uh, the scrolls then showed up. They had scrolls with superpowers copied and all this stuff. And yeah, it got pretty wild. So it became one of the most famous Marvel crossover storylines of the 21st century. It was a game changer because we found out a bunch of characters we thought we knew weren't really them. They were just scrolls. And so these characters got out at the end and it was this kind of whole reset for some characters like Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman and other people. But Marvel's Secret Invasion, the MCU version, is, of course, different than that. So what are we getting? Uh, after first two episodes, I can say that Secret Invasion is exactly what I thought it would be the entire time, which is a kind of hard-edged spy espionage thriller with that paranoia edge of who is who and what is what. At the same time, it's also very much an actor showcase of a show. And so I don't know if some Marvel fans are going to be prepared for that because this is very much like, uh, I was trying to think, I, I'm blanking on it, but what was that uh, show that was on Stars a couple years ago with uh, J.K. Simmons and it was about like the alternate universe? Um, anyway, that it's that kind of show, right? That, that espionage show with mystery and thrills, but a prestige show at Counterpart. Thank you, Peter. Producer Pete is on top of it. Counterpart. Uh, it's very much like Counterpart or some of the other espionage kind of shows that are that are out there in the sense that it's a lot of actors in scenes together talking and kind of doing the feeling out each other and pushing tensions with each other, but a lot more talky and especially in the second episode. But you're talking about a cast at the same time that is comprised of Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Olivia Coleman, um Amelia Clark, like Ben Fadir. I know I always kind of like mess up his name. I don't want to butcher his name. Um, blah, 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 blah. Ben, ben Mendelsohn, King, no, Kingsley Ben Adir. Kingsley Ben Adir, who plays the villain in it. Martin Freeman, like, you know, you're talking about Dar Dermot Melroney, like, you're talking about really good Don Cheadle, really good combinations of actors and who appear in scenes, and especially in episode two which is a much slower episode. Like episode one hits the ground. It's all intrigue, threat, ominous stuff, action, um, a big set piece at the end and some twists that establish that this is going to have some big stakes. Like there are big MCU stakes to this. But by the second episode, it's a lot more just of people getting together, moving around, conversations. But it's a lot of good dramatic acting. Olivia Coleman is a major scene stealer in this show. Uh, as you would probably expect that she just steps in and kind of can walk off with a scene, um, whether it's in her and Nick and Samuel L. Jackson, just kind of bantering with each other as hardcore, like spy masters and stuff like that is great. You know, Jackson and Cheadle is great. Jackson and Mendelssohn is like one of the best on-screen pairings you that you know, that you never knew you really needed. Um, but they get into some deep stuff. And so I'm curious to see how the Marvel fandom one will kind of take it 
Dermont McDermott, uh, but somebody, somebody called me out for saying the wrong Dermont. It's no, it's Dermont Melroney. Yeah, it's Dermont Melroney. Um, so I'm curious to see how people see it. And people are already coming at me and saying in the comments saying, you know, what do I think of the middling critic score? I think a lot of people aren't going to know what to make of this. Some people are comparing to this to Andor. And let me just say, guys, just because something's more grounded and like less fantastical in a franchise offering, you can't just call it Andor. Okay? I did see that comparison uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Until Stellan Skarsgård is giving me a monologue about building an Earth, he'll, a sunrise he'll never get to see. Do not dare compare something to Andor. I saw that. It was. I, I yeah, saw right. That. Like. So, yeah, I mean, but it, I get what they're saying because it, it is less about the fantastical elements of the MCU and they quickly establish, like, why are we not going Avengers with this and all of that? But it's also very compelling character drama stuff. And if you like spy shows like we do, like we even like Citadel and things like that on here, I, I think it's going to be good. It's an adult show. It's very much grown-up Marvel stuff with grown-up, talented actors but i'm curious to see how it's going to function week to week my other point that i talked about this on uh my dirtier podcast podcast x was I i'm actually of the mind and i think nick valdez our friend of the show addressed this on phase zero would this have been better as a binge model and i kind of am wondering would this have been better as a binge show like echo was because i think it is just one whole kind of story broken up into chunks and i'm not as sure about the week to week but um that said each episode definitely leaves you on a cliffhanger of like whoa or wtf that will for sure generate at least some buzz on marvel twitter for at least the first two weeks so i can say that um yeah anybody got any questions that's all i want to say for fear of spoilers but uh yeah <laughs> My big question is, you know, we, we've ranked all of the Disney Plus series that have come out so far. We've all got our tiers of quality based on these first two episodes. Is this up there with WandaVision and Werewolf by Night with the good ones? Or is this is this going to be a meddling one? I would put it in the middle. I would put it in the middle. Yeah. I, I definitely think because I think it's a slow burn story to like what this larger thing is going to be as the event and the threat or the game changer, but it is in the middle because like I said, it, it's not like a hype, like Marvel superhero, you jump into it and, and it's giving you that kick and thrill, right? It is more serious. It is more dramatic in adult. And when it does get into something like really intense, it, it's really intense, but there is more of a slow burn pace to this. And I think it's going to take people. I think you're going to see a lot of weeks of people crapping on it before we get to like some good stuff. So be prepared. Oh well, that's just you know Twitter. Um, yeah. <laughs> is uh, how is Amelia Clark? Because I mean, we that was a much talked about casting when it happened, and you know what? Without spoiling, obviously, uh, what can you like say about her and her character? Sure. He has one of the most complicated characters to play in the story. And she does, she does very well kind of playing it. And there's no like Khaleesi to this. You know what I mean? Like she is playing this part and it is a pivotal, it is a pivotal MCU role. And like, 
for the MCU. And yeah, she's got a complicated place in the story. So it's kind of interesting to see what her character does from like moment to moment. So, yeah. Yeah. And I would say to answer Andrew on YouTube. Yeah. It it is a very much feels like a very different show than the other Disney plus shows. If it feels like if Falcon and the winter soldier had been less silly and like more hard edged in its kind of international espionage intrigue, uh, this, it would be this show, but Sam Jackson is carrying things and does a fantastic job as Nick Fury. And it's it's interesting how this show very much is a look inside of who Nick Fury is as a person. And, and as more than just, you know, this archetypal figure who moves pieces of the Marvel Universe around. All right. So that's Secret Invasion. I guess I got to take myself out as host. Um <laughs> be on the lookout next week obviously when this show premieres we're going to be breaking down the first episode phase zero i'm sure we'll have like 12 episodes breaking down you know the 2010 h10 minutes of it so you can check out all that content next week do we want to get into the flash one more time before we break or do we want to take a break first i think we should probably what take, take, yeah, a, break. take a break let's take a break, take a break. we're gonna come back we're gonna get into our flash review and we are going to rank there have been five superhero movies this year and we're going to talk about that then we're going to talk about star trek strange new worlds and a whole bunch of other stuff stay tuned to comic book nation another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and if you missed our first half, we were breaking down news of the week, which include major Marvel movie delays, a Rick and Morty recasting confirm, and Matt hyping up his long-awaited Nimona coming to Netflix. And we gave you our first impressions of Marvel's Secret Invasion, which is hitting Disney Plus shortly. Now, let's talk about our main event of the day, The Flash. As I said at the start of the podcast, we have recorded several Flash-related content pieces for you guys. If you want a long, in-depth, non-spoiler discussion about our impressions of The Flash just after seeing it, we have that podcast episode out there as a bonus. We also have our full spoiler discussion of The Flash that we launched uh, just before this live stream. So be sure to check that out this week once you have seen the movie as well, because both of those are floating out there. 
So for this segment, I thought, you know, if you listen to the Flash spoiler review, we kind of each gave ourselves like a little ranking of where we thought the movie was in terms of stars, like out of stars. And we gave our impressions of the movie. Um, I think Matt and Janelle and I were kind of more pleasantly surprised by how much we were able to enjoy the movie. Connor very much did not enjoy the movie. And, you know, wants Ezra Miller out in the ejector seat right after this. So we don't need to rehash that ground, but I thought it'd be fun if we talked about after five superhero movies have been released this year. And uh, those five movies are Spider-Man or in order, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, Shazam Fury of the Gods, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and The Flash. So I thought it would be fun to kind of rank those and see where everybody is at because we're halfway through the year. We got five superhero films. It's a good number. So uh, I thought we could just play like a little fun, quick ranking game and see where everything was so we could see how we really kind of feel about The Flash. Uh, I guess I'll go first uh, since I threw this all out here, this little grenade to interrupt our show today. Uh, But my ranking was as such, and I'll go from number one down. Uh, Number one, I mean, it's easily for me across the Spider-Verse. Number two is actually The Flash. Number three, and this is where I'm going to get really in trouble. Number three is Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Number four is Quantumania, and way down at number five. Wow, really? Way down at number five is Shazam Fury of the Quantumania over Shazam? Oh, man. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so. Quantumania. Yeah, okay, so let's just talk about the controversial parts of my list, all right? Spider-Verse is is not controversial at all. I don't think anybody's really going to be surprised by that. I mean, it was like one of my highly, most highly anticipated movies of the year, and it lived up to that. So now, uh, The Flash and Guardians, I, I'm really scared about my recency bias. I've been really holding off a couple weeks before I said this, but it, I, I liked Guardians of the Galaxy 3, but I, you guys know I've never been the biggest Guardians of the Galaxy fan. It's not yeah. my Star Wars. Star Wars is my Star Wars. So <laughs> I always enjoy it somewhat, but like the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was intense. It's not like a rewatchable, easily rewatchable superhero movie for me for all the kind of darker, painfuler parts of it. Uh, it was a great send-off for the Guardians. Um, not as damaging as I thought it would be. And it, it was just really, you know, it was really good. It was really good, really okay. And I enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, Quantumania was, I, I mean, I've been publicly saying how much I think it is a fail for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, like going back to phase one and two fails, like level fails of just kind of bad movies, Thor, the Dark World type deal. Um, but Shazam was infinitely worse than that. I uh, watched that on HBO on Max recently, and I was just like, yeah, this movie is terrible. Shazam's just awful. Uh, and yeah, it's good that we're getting out of this whole Shazam verse phase of the DC movie universe. I remember when this was the new hope. But um, yeah, Shazam's just crazy because the two lead actors can't even agree on a performance. The movie's wildly uneven. And the villains, the CGI, the battles, it's all just so, like, early 2000s cheesy. So those are my rankings. But I have The Flash at number two because I think it it is really, I think that Back to the Future kind of adventure comedy experience is really fun. It's a movie I know I'll rewatch more than once, and I was pleasantly surprised by it. So that's how I got here. Nice. You go next. 
Hello. All right, Janelle, take it away. Yay. Okay, so I'm going to give Peter time to get mine up there. Oh, my gosh, he's such a pro. All right, so um, I love that you and I both put Flash, too. I was so excited to see that because I feel like you, I just, I don't know. I feel like when I follow the leader, it makes me feel like I'm doing something right. So <laughs> I am very pumped about Flash number two. I think Kofi said it perfectly. It's such a good film. Um, and it was unexpected. And I think that if you go in with low expectations, it just blows you away even more when it's awesome. Now, this is why I have to talk about my controversial pick, which is number three, Spider-Man, because I think that most people would rank that higher than number three. But for me, I have to say, after watching Flash first, so there was only about two days between my watch throughs, I was underwhelmed and and it's i think it's because i waited so long to see it there was so much hype people were so excited about it that i really had high expectations and it didn't really like hit for me because of that i think that if you ever want to see a film and truly like react to it the way that you feel best try to see it as fast as possible so that you're not getting all of these like outside voices and noises in your head before you go see it um so number three is spider-man number four for me is quantum mania uh i actually really enjoyed it and again with kofi way down at the bottom is shazam yes. my number one has to be guardians of the galaxy because my dog is named yondu i it is my favorite superhero trilogy probably ever uh, Guardians, the first film is my favorite MCU film of all time. And I felt like this was a beautiful conclusion. It definitely hurt my soul in some areas. Like it was very hurtful and, and it was very emotional, but I just feel like Guardians can do no wrong. And uh, James Gunn is amazing. And I'm very proud of this list. <laughs> very nice. All right, Janelle. Uh, <laughs> Matt. Uh, Matt, I mean, or Connor, you want to, Connor, you want to go yeah, next? I'll go next. Let's wait for Pete. There you go. Okay. This wreck list. Um, so we'll start at number five. That might as well have a DNQ next to it because it is my job to watch these movies. And I did not watch Fury of the Gods and I feel vindicated in that decision. So it's at number five because I didn't see it. Didn't bother with it. Number four is Quantumania. I love Marvel. I love the MCU. I fell asleep during this movie. That's the first time that's ever happened in a Marvel movie since like the mid 2000s when I was a preteen. No thanks. This didn't work for a variety of reasons and has only aged poorly with time. Number three is The Flash. Now I have uh, I've taken my shots at this film over our reactions and spoiler video, which you can check out right now over on YouTube. And I, I think. My ultimate thesis with this movie is that it's a matter of expectations. If you are going in looking for a good adaptation of Flashpoint, if you are going in looking for a bow to tie everything up with the DCEU, if you are looking for the thing that re hits the big old reset button on this universe, um, you're not going to be happy. You're, really, you're going to be disappointed. If you're looking for a decent Flash movie, you're going to have to dig through a little bit of crap to get it, but you, there, it's in there. If you're looking for Michael Keaton's big return as Batman, it's definitely in there. Um, I think a lot of the positive reactions among the 40 and plus older fans, uh, I think a lot of it's going to center around, yeah, but Keaton was so cool. Um, 
But I also think that you can find a lot better versions of this story, whether it's the DCAU, some of the direct-to-DVD animated films that have come out since, um, the, the first three seasons of the CW series. This has all been done better elsewhere. As for this one, it's not the worst that's come out this year. It's not great. I don't know who, how much they paid Tom Cruise to say it's the greatest superhero movie of all time, but the answer was obviously quite a bit. Uh, but this is very much middle of the road for this year, and some of the praise it's getting heaped on it, it baffles me. Number two is Guardians of the Galaxy. Speaking of expectations, this lived up to my expectations. I wanted to see how James Gunn would punctuate his Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. I think he completely succeeded. I don't think this is even the best trilogy in Marvel, but I, abs I, I dug how they signed off. I thought it was awesome. And then Across the Spider-Verse is a masterpiece. I love it. I think that the fact that it's a... It's not even a complete story, but feels like a complete viewing experience is a testament to just how good it is. Matt, or, okay, Matt, now, oh, God, here we go. Matt, okay, what's so, your list? Well, okay, so before we put my, okay, well, well, it's on the list. What I will say is before I get to my list, uh, Janelle brought up, you know, one of those things of, like, going in without, like, hearing other opinions and things like that and how it can kind of give you a, a clear foundation for like forming your own and that was actually something that kofi talked about in an excellent conversation uh with damon over on the comic corner all about how like the origins of that and how that kind of came into film twitter and all that stuff so you should definitely go take a listen to that because that was an excellent conversation uh oh, the other, no, uh before i get to my so now yes mine has an na because i haven't seen it uh <laughs> i haven't seen spider-man I haven't seen. Oh Spider my god! Yet. We should stop the segment right now and fund you going there. out to see Spider Verse. That's why it's there. So uh, it's it's just literally out of. I haven't had a chance to see it. Uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to see Transformers either, and that's higher on my list to want to go see. I I haven't had a chance to go see this. So I am forming my opinion based on four movies that I did see, and we'll go from there. I imagine I will adore Spider Verse, and it will probably be one of the top two on my list when I see it. But it doesn't qualify right now. Um, Four, obviously, is Quantumania, and it's ironic that Connor said it's aged poorly. The movie's only been out <laughs> for, like, months, and it feels like it's been out for years. It it's has aged, aged like milk. It's just so <laughs> bad. It looks like, you know, Obama two years in. Like, it has grayed so much. Wow! <laughs> it's so... It's nuts, man. This movie just gets... Wow! So and people... I've, I've had it seen through other people's... Anissa just watched it like the other day and was like, God, I wish I hadn't done that for two hours. I mean, that's, it's just not, man, that thing fell apart so quick. So um, I, so that's number four for me. I'm one of the few, man. I enjoyed Shazam. <laughs> I thought it was fun. I liked some of the family stuff. I, I really had fun with it. Again, it wasn't my best movie of the year, clearly, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was exactly what I expected from the Shazam sequel. Uh, so, you know, it didn't have enough of the things I liked in the first one, but I still enjoyed it to the flash. I've look, we, we went on a whole thing in our, in our spoiler podcast, which you can definitely listen to about why I enjoy the flash. I, I thought, I thought it's a better flash movie than what Connor gives it credit for, but I also understand a lot of the, the, you know, backlash or, and some of the, and obviously some of the criticism stuff that are floating its way. Absolutely. So, you know, baby scenes aside, <laughs> I feel like 
there's actually a really good Flash Barry Allen movie, and I don't care about that character at all. So for me to say that actually mean like I actually went like okay, you you, you know you that's pretty. It's they did a good job with that part. Um, and then Guardians, I thought was I love the Guardians. You know, the first Guardians movie is one of my all time Marvel faves. Um, I like the sequel probably a lot more than others. Uh, Baby Group for Life. So this one, though, I love that it took chances and it and it did. We, we talked about it in our review, right, of how it felt more like a James Gunn completing his trilogy as opposed to doing the normal formulaic Marvel set up a new movie thing. And I liked that. I enjoyed that. And it, and it gave us some genuine twists. And I thought they, you know, did an excellent job in handling some like heavier, darker subject matter and mixing that in with the humor. So I thought it did really well. Again, this doesn't count Spider-Man. You know, Spider-Man's probably in there just for some of the cameos alone. But uh, but for now, that's my list. All right, thank you, Maddie. And that's everybody's top five superheroes of the move of the move superhero movies of the year so far. We still got a handful coming our way. We got Blue Beetle, the Marvels, Aquaman, and the Lost Kingdom. I feel like I might be forgetting one or two somewhere. The Spider-Man but, uh, Two video game, which. Probably oh yeah, Spider-Man. Like I mean, that's going to be the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great we all know yeah. that. Yeah, we're going to be retiring from the show for a couple weeks when that comes out. So yeah, don't worry about that. We will be there for that. But uh, thank everybody for contributing. That was fun. Um, and just as a follow-up to some of our spoilers discussion of the Flash, I don't think they fix those effects. <laughs> the same as we saw and the, which is the excuses wild. are already on their way it out. was an aesthetic yeah. choice uh, connor uh-huh the babies polar express references <laughs> jim carrey's christmas carol stop taking shots Easter at 2000s <laughs> hey how dare you? Oh, Next, boy. you're gonna be taking right. shots at like Rudolph and Santa Claus is coming to town. I like Rankin Bass. They have they have an aesthetic. Elf. Those were just bad. Hey, Elf. this if this is not a perfect trailer for Elf. why you guys need to turn in, tune in to our flash spoilers discussion, it's more of just this. It yeah, goes off spicy. the rails quite like this. Yeah, it got real spicy. <laughs> uh, so go check that out. But um, all right, for this show, let's keep it on the rails and move right on and bring in our special guest who's been patiently waiting in the wings. I'm so sorry. Uh, let's get Mr. Jamie Lovett in here. So sorry, Jamie. We're always behind Apologies. on things. And Welcome, have you said- Jamie. I-, I accept your apology. It's okay. Have you seen uh, anything you want to weigh in on? Have you seen The Flash or Secret Invasion yet? I actually haven't seen I haven't seen Secret Invasion yet. I did not get those screeners. I haven't seen half of the movies that were on those top five lists because I just haven't had time. <laughs> However, I'm inclined to agree with Connor just because Spider-Verse and Guardians were at the top, and those are the two I've seen, and they are really good. Uh, but that said, right, I haven't seen go. the other three yet. So he, he's we also are that, been watching New like... Japan, so he's got good taste. Man, yeah, I know. Jamie came out of like nowhere with that. That's that's well, been awesome to see in the chat. I, I've told you guys this. You can't show me a video of Kenny Omega walking out like Sephiroth at Wrestle Kingdom, Kingdom and expect me not to do further research. Like, what am I supposed to do with that information? Very true. I mean, yeah. But uh Jamie is among other things, first and foremost, one of our biggest Star Trek uh, experts. And so who better to come on today and help us break down the premiere episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2. We were really hyped about this show when it came out. 
last year. Uh, was it last year? I can't remember what happens in years. Uh, I, I believe year. it was. Yeah, because uh, we I mean, me and Jamie had jumped into Star Trek Discovery very early on. Uh, we were covering that. We jumped into Picard. But we both kind of like really were talking and how much we kind of liked Star Trek Discovery Season 2 in that whole arc that brought in Captain Pike, number one, Spock, and like the early Enterprise. So when they got their own spinoff, we were hyped. And this show, and I think we talked about it a lot last year, it, it really did kind of do something kind of milestone special in Star Trek in terms of, I mean, just, I keep saying this, but like last year when I went to Comic-Con, I not only got to host a panel with like Anson Mount, which was, which was great. That was on my, you know, life achievements list. But I remember just saying like walking around and for the first time ever seeing Comic-Con be more Star Trek cosplay than like Star Wars cosplay with like the retro suits and everything. And everybody was on that strange new world's vibe. And it was definitely like the hot new kid in town. So season two is always a big deal. Sophomore seasons are always a big deal, especially for something that is a breakout hit and, and, you know, gets the hype train going. So the question is, could is Star Trek strange new world, still the same great kind of retro meets new Star Trek experience that, we got in season one in season two. Uh, I've seen now Jamie and I think we both had access to the first six episodes of season oh. two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've seen the first <laughs> two. I've seen the first two in like secret invasion. I will say that both of these shows take a similar approach in like the premiere episode is like balls to the wall, kind of thrilling, exciting action, tension, character drama. While the second episode is more slow burn, kind of character exploration in letting the actors cook and do dramatic performance scenes and things like that. But I'm proud to report that on either side of that strange new worlds is still pretty great. Um, the premiere episode I really enjoyed and, you know, I can't, I don't know how to phrase this without sounding completely creepy and weird, but I guess I do Go that on. most times. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I'm just hanging myself here. But um, yeah. yeah, but to be fair, to her credit, like the first, so the first kind of premiere episode features uh, Jess Bush as Nurse Chapel and a doctor. I think I always mess up the doctor's name. Banga, uh, Banga, Yeah, are are heavily featured. You know, the two, the two characters you probably least expect to be put forefront in in the season two premiere get to do so much in that and i'm only feel safe comfortable i feel comfortable saying this now because i saw jess bush's instagram and she posted these photos but like when you have an episode where jess bush looks like she's been through a street fight and is covered in cuts and blood and you're still just like this is awesome this character is awesome and i think i'm falling a little bit in love like that's a pretty good that's a pretty good achievement and and it's just a testament to like how what this show does and how far these actors will go like yeah i mean uh jess bush and babs olinson mukin olinson mukin uh who plays uh, dr Banga, like they really i mean they just go all out in this they go from everything from like serious near-death dramatics tension to wwe style like fight sequences and it all cooks and it was awesome um yeah and this and I loved how this premiere episode let a lot of the secondary, it takes Pike who was like 
the big focus of season one and immediately removes him. It's just like, nope, he's going away. You guys got this. And you get everything from a great kind of classic Star Trek A and B storyline set up from the two doctors having to deal with this like crisis on the ground and be like the ground team, the unlikely ground team to Spock having to sit in the captain's chair with his personal drama and deal with that. But um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. I thought it was thrilling. And by the end, I was even like highly emotional when I thought, you know, some of the character deaths that might happen or even when they didn't happen and there was, you know, this definite character connections and, and bonds being built. And I love that this show does this. So it was a great premiere for me. Jamie, what did you think? Oh, I thought it was great. Here's here's the thing. I've seen the first six, like you mentioned. Uh, episode one is good. It's not even like, it's not even close to the best episode in those first six is the thing. Uh, we get this great, like, the first episode is this great, like, cinematic Star Trek take, right? It's action heavy. There's conspiracy with Klingons and all that stuff. Uh, so that's really good. And this season, you know, the thing that sets Strange New Par- Worlds apart is it went back to that episodic storytelling. In this season, it feels like having seen how well that worked last season, they are taking even bigger swings. So, like you said, sending Pike just totally away from the whole narrative this season. Uh, that's a choice that they can get away with because they prove they know what they're doing. Uh, delaying the payoff of the cliffhanger from the end of last season with number one, that's a thing they can do. They can let us stew in that until next episode. Um, but yeah, this one's that big action heavy one. You know, next episode, I did an interview with uh, Yatide Bakari, um, who is the guest star in the next episode. She compares that next episode to like the measure of the man from next generation because it's like tense legal drama and then you know i won't spoil anything but it just gets weirder from there like there is a absolutely bonkers time travel episode if you really enjoyed the body swap episode from last season there is something in that vein coming up that is also just as fun as satisfying uh i know they've said you know paul wesley is back as kirk uh there is more of kirk this season and he is much closer to you know, last season when he showed up, it was an all timeline thing. So he was a little grumpier, a little grimmer. Uh, he is much more on brand Kirk this season, which I think fans are going to really We get like. more Kirkish Kirk. Yes, more Kirk being like Kirk in it. But it still doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't feel like he's just aping what either Pine or Shatner did. But it is definitely that, you know, Kirk charm in the forefront type thing. Um, so yeah, it, it's the whole thing is really fun. I think it's going to spark a lot of conversation, uh, certain episodes among Star Trek fans. Uh, but yeah, this is a really strong start and it just like, it just goes up from here this season. Like it's real good. All right. So there you have it. I think we can simply say if you guys haven't been checking out Star Trek strange new worlds, it's on Paramount plus you don't even have if you don't have a Paramount Plus subscription, the first season is free on a YouTube playlist until I think about June 30th. So you have until the end of this month to go on to YouTube, go to Star Trek Strange New Worlds and watch the first season for free. Check it out. See what As everybody's talking about. Someone who just did that, it is so worth it. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is uh, how are you I'll feeling let... about it, Matt? Oh no, sorry, go ahead, no, Jamie. Good. Go. 
No, Jamie, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add, if you are like unfamiliar with Star Trek, this is the one to go check out. Like the way you used to get into Star Trek was you'd see like TNG on syndication somewhere and be like, oh, it's that space show with the guys in the space pajamas. I wonder what this one's about. Yeah. And this is the Star Trek show that you can kind of do that with. Just flip on an episode and whatever you need to know, you'll know from context. And beside that, you get your beginning, middle and end. And you can just go from there. There's no required anything before that. It's that's part of the fun of it. One of Sorry, my favorite ahead. premieres ever. That was awesome. And I was like, I, I watched that premiere and I was like on the edge of my seat and I went, okay, I have to watch the rest of this. So I did. So I binged the whole season and then I I, I don't have access to the first six. So I'm like super jelly right now. Uh, I only got to see the first episode of the next season. Uh, and I, I liked it. I didn't, I really, like I've grown to really love Pike. So the fact that he's like legit gone after like five minutes, I was like, no, <laughs> I was I was like super bummed. But I do love the rest of the cast, and it and it gave them such a chance to shine. And even like the new security officer, uh, I I totally ate that whole thing up because she that like she's I forget the actress's name, but she's you mean so the engineer? the engineer, yes, Carol Kane, yeah. yeah, okay, like she's so quirky and weird and like every part she plays and i just i dug the energy right i just mm -hmm. I, I thought it was especially compared to spock like it contrasts yeah. well um so yeah. i i have not been into star trek since next generation like that was the last time i actively watched and i i am on board for the rest of this this season the show the show has me uh pr pretty pretty in yeah there is, even though the plots are serial or, you know, episodic, there is kind of a recurring theme I noticed. A lot of these characters have, like, trauma in their history. Some of them, you know, remember, this is coming out of Star Trek Discovery where they just were at war with the Klingons. So, like, this episode reminds us that, like, some of these people fought in that war. Like, they're still dealing with that. And that seems to be a recurring theme throughout the season of, like, how do we deal with the dark stuff in our past? How do we use it, move past it. And, you know, the answer is different for all the characters. So that's, I found that really fascinating and, and interesting and it makes it still feel, you know, like, like it all belongs together, even though each one can be consumed on its own. For sure. All right. Well, I think that does it for uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds and we give it our highest recommendation for you guys to check out. So uh, thank you, Jamie. You're welcome. Anytime. Uh, you can hang. Oh, did he already dip? Yeah, All he's, right. he's, he's, he's on it. He's efficient. <laughs> uh, Janelle, Janelle, I know you have to dip. Is there anything you want to share with everybody before you get out of here about any of the comics you read this week or anything else we have on the list? I mean, I think all the comics are really strong, so I'm really excited for you guys to uh, chat about it. So I'll be hanging out in the chat, like packing up all my clothes and everything, listening with all of you. Uh, but yes, yeah. go see The Flash. It was awesome. And I hope you guys have a, a heck of a weekend together. I won't be around next week, so I'm giving all my love to you all. And uh, and yeah, thanks for letting me be here today and letting me call in from the hotel. <laughs> All right, Janelle, I think you're hopping a boat and going on a cruise, so your Friday's left Mars. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm going to go find some that. Avatar whales. That's that's my goal. I want to see the whales uh, for Avatar. We hope you have a successful bonding. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Bye, guys. Take it easy. All right. Well, for those of us still here, the survivors, let's talk about a couple things that are going on else that are happening on your TV screen. Uh, I got to see and check out 
Extraction 2, Sam Hargrave and Chris Hemsworth, latest installment of the Tyler Rake kind of action movie franchise. And uh, at the end of the first film, of course, we saw Tyler Rake seemingly die, but it was suggested he survived. And in this one, yeah, of course he survived. We wouldn't have Extraction 2 if he didn't. But uh, this time he takes on a more personal mission to extract somebody, uh, a family from a kind of Eastern European prison and naturally it does not go well. Otherwise we would not have a movie. So I got to say that, I, I mean, with this sequel, I think, I think extraction is kind of quietly creeping up to be one of my favorite action franchises next to John wick, wow. uh, Sam Hargrave, Sam Hargrave and, and Chris Hemsworth do some pretty, pretty sick stuff in these movies and their kind of way of filming with like almost the, like the extended sequences of action and action choreography and camera work is it's just really good. And they've just made it really polished in this one. Uh, I also like that this kind of universe is fleshing out and taking shape. And so that I feel like in the sequel, I cared so much more about like, not just Tyler Rake, but like the other characters that he's with and, since I got to, since I know them so much better now than kind of like the loose espionage talk of the first one, uh, I was actually really, really invested in this. So you have, uh, and I, oh my God, uh, Ravahard Farah, Farah, uh, Ravahard Farahani, who goes by uh, Golshif uh, Farahani, um, as an Iranian actress who's been in like Body of Lies and, and other things. She was Tyler Rake's handler. Uh, in the first movie, she's back in this one. And Adam Bessa, who plays her brother Yaz, then they're kind of like also fighting with Tyler in this one. They're awesome team. And I love those characters. Yeah, and even just kind of the villains in this one, these kind of hard and Eastern European brothers are interesting. But um, of course, the real the real hero of this is the action and the action sequences in this film are so good. The last one was complicated with like urban combat, and I feel like in in, in kind of a, where did it take place in Asia, I believe. And this one has several different set pieces that are just one's more insane than the next. There's you've seen the trailers with the prison sequence, that's right up there with anything you saw in like Daredevil or any of those hallway shows where to, where it's claustrophobically like a guy getting into a prison and then trying to get back out as everything goes wrong and what i love about this movie is that you see setups and you're like there's no way a guy is going to about to take on this many people and tyler rake's like nah i'm definitely going to take on this many people and it is convincingly brutal and sloppy at times how where like you know he gets clocked in the back of the head with a brick like and has to try to get back up and deal with that and stop a woman from being assaulted at the same time like it's nuts yeah. there's a train sequence there's a sequence in a skyscraper and a final sequence on an airfield. I think those are the four set pieces. And this movie is just set pieces, but it all works and it's great. And Chris Hemsworth is, I mean, he is just the man as Tyler Rick. And like I said, this is actually feels like a growing universe. Idris Elba appears in this as a new kind of handler that sets up things for like a third movie. And like, yeah, it, it's pretty nuts. And I'm really enjoying this as an action franchise. So I would say if you're not out to see The Flash or if you're just looking to keep getting that blockbuster movie feel this weekend, definitely check out Extraction 2. Moving right along. Black Mirror 6, I'm just going to say really quick, is also out. Um, I watched seeing the first two episodes of Black Mirror 6, and 
it's weird. It's like it's weird. Like season five was weird, but uh, I've been enjoying it. I saw the first episode, the one that's in this trailer right now, called "Joan Is Awful" with uh, Annie. What's her name from uh, Shit's Creek? Oh man, we we have to do. We have to remember too much stuff on this show. I swear to God, <laughs> um, it's the girl who says "Ooh, David." It's it's her. Annie Murphy. So Annie Murphy's in the first one, and Selma Hayek's in it too. And it's about a uh, like a woman who starts to find out that like a Netflix series is like replaying the day of her life that day. And everybody starts to catch on to it. And so Annie Murphy is like the woman and the person playing her is Selma Hayek in the show. And she becomes trapped in this like nightmare of everything she's doing during the day being broadcast to the world as like a Netflix series that night. And she has to kind of unravel like what's happening there and like how that's happening. And so it's kind of weird, like uh, like the Anthony Mackie one from season five with the video game avatars and the two guys, but it's very meta and kind of comedic and quirky. And if you thought She-Hulk ended on like a meta note with the with the Kevin robot and all that, yeah, just wait till this. So interesting stuff happening here. Black Mirror 6 is out there. I love Black Mirror because I love Twilight Zone type stuff, and that's what that is for this era, so be sure to also check that out, and let us know what you thought on uh, Comic Book Twitter. Matt, tired of talking, bro. Let's talk comics. <laughs> uh, that actually sounded really good. I think you sold me on Black Mirror. You, you already sold me on Star Trek, so I'm already on board, so maybe I need to... I'm all here for unpaid promotion. <laughs> maybe I need to jump on that as well. Uh, so first off, we have Black Panther, number one. Uh, a lot of Marvel this week, by the way. So <laughs> just like a ton. It just kind of worked out that way. Black Panther, number one. It felt like not too long ago we were talking about a relaunch of Black Panther, and it, and it really had to do around the... Um, kind of changing political climate and and the change from the monarchy to you know a democracy in a lot of ways and here is it's kind of the next evolution of that but T'Challa had to essentially to keep the peace ended up being exiled and so it wasn't his choice obviously but uh now he's this this issue kind of really goes into like what which I think is an interesting aspect of royalty and someone in his position of he's been the king of this nation for so long. He's been its protector. But in a lot of ways, when you're in that position, it can be very easy to be in a bubble. And this kind of examines that like he doesn't really know his city all too well. He doesn't know the cities that you know are in his nation. And he doesn't also know the people. And, and it's, you know, he has a very broad sense of it, but he doesn't have a very kind of meticulous sense of it. And so this kind of dives into that and him kind of really getting reacquainted with that, uh, with not being in this position of power anymore, but still wanting to be a protector. So I thought it actually, as someone who's read a couple of Black Panther relaunches and and big narrative starts, this one grabbed me. A lot of it has to do with the some new characters that really get show up, especially one, uh, Naobi, I believe, um, is kind of the main other character here that, it looks like the child is going to be able to confide in. And so there's a lot going on there, but I thought it was compelling stuff. Like it's, it's kind of the first time in a minute where I will probably continue on re like really wanting to jump back into black Panther uh, in the comics after, after a minute. Uh, Cause it always, for a while there, it felt kind of, there was so many big arcs going on that it felt kind of like it hard to just jump in the middle of, if you weren't keeping track for a while. Uh, what did you guys think? I, I'm, my take is kind of simple. I loved the premise. It was a very intriguing way to 
make T'Challa feel new. I didn't love the execution in this first mm. issue. I thought it was heavy talky for sure. kind of still kind of comic booky, like nineties comic booky in a way I get, I don't know if it's just the artwork or just a presentation or just the way it's structured, but I felt that was at odds with what was, could have been the best. Like I would have liked to see this as kind of more like, you remember when we did future state in, in Batman, mm-hmm. the detective comics, uh, or dark detective Batman, that story yeah. premise where like Batman lost everything and he was operating as just a normal dude, like living in a tenant apartment with some other roommate and things like that. Some old guy. Like I, I would like this to be, uh, I would have loved this to be a more noir tin story kind of, you know what I mean? Like guy going through bowels of city, like fallen King, like now seeing the city from this kind of different perspective. Um, and I would have liked it to be more focused on him, like in his perceptions, his inner monologue, because those are the parts I liked. Those are the parts. And I guess it was an uneven book because the T'Challa parts. I was like, yeah, this is interesting. Like every one of those little black thought bubbles of his thoughts and monologue. I was like, yeah, it is interesting to read his observations and, and kind of ruminations on himself, Wakanda, his position in it, what realizing what he doesn't know from, like you said, his position of power. That stuff is really interesting. Uh, keeping track of some of the extensive larger cast of characters and like where we are. And like you said, so even the reference, like uh, the chick in the white suit is, is a little bit harder. It's, it's, it's a little dense, but uh, I like the core premise. Yeah. Connor. I dug it. I, um, I have not read black Panther with any consistency since the coats days. And I know it's a little ways back. Um, I so jumping into this, not only knowing a bit about where his uh, status quo was from the Avengers issue we read a couple weeks back, um, to see him in this situation where he's basically he's got a Batman right now. He's he's in one city. He's doing the vigilante thing. He's completely detached from the political climate in Wakanda. Um, but he's also kind of keeping his ear to the ground as to how the people are reacting to this sudden change. Um, I love his interaction with the lawyer. I love that he tailed him and kind of gradually pieced together. Like, no, this is a good guy. And this is somebody that, you know, it, whether he's my guy in the chair or he's the front facing guy for what I'm trying to do behind the scenes. Um, his realization of just how disconnected he is with his people. And I love how they keep pointing out it's a city named after his dad. Yeah. And he is a complete stranger in it. I, there's, I love that. Um, is it a little overwritten? Yes, it, it's very dialogue heavy. Um, the the ending with the the gal, I was kind of like, am I supposed to know who you are? Is yeah. <laughs> that's how I felt? <laughs> I was I like, felt, I, I was like, uh oh, I'm failing the test here. It's like, okay, what, what's with the tail? And are you a bad person? I don't know, but it was it, overall it was enjoyable. This was I found myself about like two-thirds of the way through, I'm like, oh, I'm actually really into all these conversations. I want to I want to keep up with this and see where it goes. Yeah. No, I agree with you both. I think it was, uh, I think it's, it's a bit dialogue heavy, for sure. And I also agree with, like, I love the 90s-ness of Black Panther's suit because it does feel like a 90s suit, but I kind of oh, love that. Oh, the suit's that. incredible. I'm like, the shield on the arm, yeah. the cape, it's oh, yeah, like... No, I like the suit. Yo, whoa, whoa, let's chill. I like the suit, yeah. No, no, I was That's just saying crazy. it has a 90s vibe. Like, I, I, oh, yeah, but I enjoyed that. Like, I, I was like that. But then, you know, when the you know woman comes in, it, it did kind of kind of break my immersion. Like, I was really into it, and I was like, oh, that there is a certain level of kind of comic bookness that 
kind of comes through at points in the book. And I agree like it, it feels a little clunky, mm-hmm. but, but overall I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then moving to the opposite end of the sphere, uh, <laughs> Spider-Man India, number one, obviously look, uh, it's no secret MCU and the Marvel comics synergy continues. Uh, there's a big Spider-Man movie out that I haven't seen, <laughs> but I know Spider-Man India and all these other Spider-Man are, are characters that they're going to feature more in the comics, get you caught up. There's also obviously Spider-Verse stories going on in the comics as well. Um, this is very much a origin catch-up. This is like, hey, do you know who this character is? We haven't seen this character in a minute. Here's a primer on kind of who they are, having them interact with Miles and Peter, and then also kind of creating their own lizard. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was very much a story like, oh, I've seen this play out a number of times in different ways in Spider-Man books. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like, there was, there's parts of it. Like, the first half is, like, super slow. Like, the first half is just... <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Like, the pages were going very slow. Once you get halfway, I found myself speeding up a little bit and going, okay, I've got, I, I, I get this. Like, it's not anything revolutionary, but, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, I It's not a series I will probably stick with moving forward um, unless, like, you know, I need to read it for, <laughs> for stories and stuff. But it was fine. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how I felt. It was entertaining. And also, if look, if people are interested in the character, this is a perfect issue you can point to them and go, hey, here's pretty much everything you need to know about them in a nutshell. Um, but what did you guys think? Man, just like The Flash, this thing is hurt so much in comparison to Across the Spider-Verse just coming out because uh, Spider-Man India in that movie is a bit of a scene stealer. And the whole time they spend in his universe, I won't spoil it all for you, Matt, but he's a very different take on Spider-Man and it's almost to a deliberate point. And I wish obviously these comics are planned out and written out and drawn well in advance. This was obviously all made before the movie came out, but man, I wish that the version that we got in the movie was here because what we get here just feels like, okay, we're just retracing the steps of a typical Peter Parker story. Whereas in the movie, the costume has completely redesigned to give it a suit looks sick. I've seen the trailers of the the suit. And this is just from the top up from the waist up. It's the same. And I'm like, wow, that's boring. And then it's, Oh, how are we doing this? Well, uncle Ben's name is spelled differently and we're doing the lizard origin again, with basically no changes. And I'm just thinking, man, and I, I can't blame it for not being the movie. At the same time, I hope future iterations of this steal some notes. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> um, I will. I, I know I'm going to sound like the biggest hypocrite in the world, but like I loved, I liked this book for the exact reason I didn't like the last book. I was like, this is 90s cheese, but this is 90s cheese I can get behind. Um, and I think it's rough, man. Like, I really think there's a problem with Spider-Man where, like, Peter Parker is, like, such the least interesting character in Spider-Man now to me. Like, I can watch a new origin of all these Spider-Variants. I can watch Miles do the same thing. Gwen fight her own version of these characters. Peter Peter fight his own version of these characters. And it's ten times more interesting than whatever crap they're trying to paddle with Peter Parker right now in the books, so... I, I liked it. I mean, like I said, it's not it, it. I mean, obviously, this is appealing to a much different demo than me. Like I have my inclusion, Spider-Man and Miles. Uh, this is more towards the kind of Asiatic, you know, demographic, obviously. 
but I think and uh, I think it's good. I mean, I didn't I thought it was a good kind of Spider-Man launch issue. Um, and I think Peter is uh, pretty is a good character. I also am with Connor, though, like the Across the Spider-Verse people like nailed it on uh, the kind of costume design and making that version of the character look distinct. This is just Spider-Man with, you know, quote unquote, Indian pants. And I don't know about that. So uh, I hope that he gets an outfit change. I was bummed when I saw the cover because I've seen the design from the movie. And all oh, that looks sick. Like, it looks awesome. And then I saw this and was like, really? We couldn't mm-hmm. change it? We couldn't update it? Like, that's that probably is suffering from being in the pipeline. That probably is what that is. I would imagine at some, maybe even in the middle of this, like, who knows? But... You know, at some point down the line, we'll we'll get that crossover. Um, and there is, as Andrew pointed out, and Kofi too, there is a little bit of Peter Parker burnout. I, I agree. I do feel like that character is just, I don't know, there's just something needs to happen you, with that If character. you want a good Peter Parker story, go play the PS4 game. That's true. Because they actually one. aged him up. God That's forbid. True. That's another thing. Um, so moving on, uh, Janelle, thinking about you here, I was going to talk about this. Um Quick tease, Captain Marvel number 50 obviously came out as the finale to this series. Uh, but on the Comic Book Nation YouTube channel next week, uh, we will have a uh, interview with writer Kelly Thompson uh, talking all about the series, all about the issue, and, uh, you know, also Black Clove, Birds of Prey, slipping in some stuff there. So um, lots of stuff to learn from that. So make sure to tune in for that next week. Uh, and I brought up Janelle. Because I was so excited about the things we talked about on the show and things like that and and really her embracing of the character and stuff. 50 is, you know, uh, very much a full circle, bringing a lot of different threads together, a lot of different character arcs and stuff together. um, And is is just a wonderful kind of not celebration of the character because there's there is that. But there's a lot of like emotional stuff that's been happening over the past few issues that is still dealt with. But you get a lot of like great character moments with the supporting cast, which has been so incredibly important throughout the whole series. Um, there's you know great rogue kind of that payoff kind of happened in, in previous issues, but here you know obviously the the Marvels kind of reunion has been you know advertised and stuff. But there's so many other instances um, that are just delightful. So this was a emotional kind of closure to a great run uh one of my favorite captain marvel runs period and uh great absolutely fantastic so excited to see what's next and ironically uh earlier this morning marvel announced what is next uh for captain marvel which will be uh a new series by uh, Alyssa wong and jan uh Bazaldua. uh so that new series will happen later this year so there you go big news uh moving into recommendations real quick uh, we had some other big issues hit. Greenlander number two. I talked a lot about that, the first issue, uh, and it did so much for for Hal Jordan. And Kilowog is here. And again, having Kilowog in this book and some of the conversations that happen with Hal is just magic. Uh, Something is Killing the Children, volume six. I have continued to talk about this series. I'm so happy it's getting a TV series. This has all the potential in the world to be a huge franchise. And again, the Erica Slaughter story just continues to be one of the best stuff in comics. So if you haven't checked it out, you definitely should. Uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight uh, completed late last year, I believe. Uh, So now it's out in hardcover. Again, 
continuing the chapter of the White Knight universe, one of my favorite versions of Batman, Harley Quinn, so many characters, Joker, uh, are in this universe. So definitely check that out. And then last but not least, it would be remiss for me to not mention Go Go Power Rangers book two, deluxe edition, hardcover. These are the kind of big, awesome looking like uh, collections of all the different Power Rangers books. I have I have several of them. They're they're fantastic in quality, but also Go Go is one of my favorite comic interpretations of the Mighty Morphin team. So uh, I'm a huge fan of, of Ryan Parrott's work on that book. You should definitely check that out. And if you want to hear more about the latest Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover, you can check out our interview with Ryan Parrott on the Comic Book Nation YouTube channel. So there you go. Pluggy, pluggy, pluggy. Uh, that is comics. All right. And that'll do it for our show today. As I said at the beginning of the show, if you are just getting into Comic Book Nation, we also have launched our Flash spoilers discussion episode. So be sure to go on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure if you're listening to this episode right now, you go and also download our Flash spoilers discussion. It got kind of heated in there. We have a lot to say about this movie, the future of DC and Ezra Miller's place in it or not. So be sure to check that out and be sure to subscribe to Comic Book Nation on our Comic Book Nation YouTube page because we're dropping videos of all kinds of stuff besides the stuff we cover on the live shows on that page. So we have so much good content there that we really want you guys to check out. So help us out and uh, throw us a subscribe. We always appreciate it. We are growing nicely. We've had a nice little growth spurt and a lot of people seem to be joining in and uh, hanging with the show so welcome to all the newcomers we thank you guys and uh we love having you here and discussing with us so be sure to get in on these live shows every week because our dedicated fans are awesome shout out to all you guys and uh we are going to be having a fun summer because there's so many good fun shows movies and comic books and everything in between coming our way uh just next week uh what do we have coming up next week do we even have i think we have a break don't we or is there something well, else secret so... invasion premiere oh secret invasion premiere right yeah, no breaks <laughs> then indiana jones and i thought i was going to get that early but uh i couldn't make it to a screening last night Blech, unfortunately uh, skull island uh hits next week as well um, oh yeah and then uh Witcher hits, yeah hits the week after that and yeah then... so we're gonna be busy yeah. yeah, Forbidden Door. We got all in. We got money in the bank. It's all yeah. Good. yeah, we got wrestling. Yeah, so a lot going on this summer, as I said. So be sure to subscribe to everything Comic Book Nation because we're going to bring you. We do all things geek culture. And yeah, these shows are going to be thick this summer. So be sure to tune in. This is Comic Book Nation. We did it for today. We earned our checks and we are out of <laughs> here. Peace. This is.